Well, welcome again to Cross Creek. If you uh, kind of snuck in, that's cool. We're, we're all good with people sneaking in during the music. There's reasons we have music, but that's a good reason too. Um, but welcome. Thanks for being here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're watching online, thank you for watching. Uh, we're so glad that you can join us wherever you are, whenever you are. And so uh, we are in part six of our series, So What About? Talking about the problems, many of the problems people have with Christianity. This is our last episode, if you will. So if you're, if you're just joining us or you're just watching online, I would, ex- I would uh, not expect, I would suggest that you, you go back to episode one and maybe start there, kind of get a feel for what we're talking about. But if this is your first time here, you're new, and uh, I think you'll catch up. I think you'll be okay. We're basing this series on a book called The Problem of God, written by a pastor in Canada named Mark Clark. This is kind of what we've used as our template for this series. And I've, I believe this book is just so enlightening, so um, kind of doesn't speak above our heads, but kind of just talks about problems people have with Christianity in language we can understand. We think it's so great that we want every one of you to have this book. And so at the info table, we have, for a suggested donation of $5, this book. If you don't have $5 with you, no problem. We just want to give it to you. But at the info table, we have this book ready for you, ready to go. You can take it home, and it can be yours forever. You can even put your name in it. Because you're probably going to want to loan it to people, and you're going to want it back. So put your name in it. But uh, uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about is our So What About cards. In the seat in front of you, you have a welcome card. On the back of that card, is a little box that says, so what about? We want to have a conversation about the problems people have with Christianity and God. The only way for that to be a conversation is if you have a way to talk to us, talk to me. So that's what that card is for. If you have any question about anything I talk about tonight, anything I've talked about in the past, anything that I haven't talked about that I haven't covered that you're like, yeah, but okay, that's cool, but so what about? Write it in on that card, put it in the info box after the service, and we will get back to you through email this week. We'll do our very best to continue that conversation. And so as we wrap up this series, I just want to remind us one more time of some ground rules, because this can be a, some touchy topics that we're talking about. And so the, ground, the number one ground rule that we have laid for this series is follow where the evidence leads, not where we hope it leads. And that's going to be really important today. Another ground rule that's going to be really important today is be cool. All right, we need to be cool. None of this material is used to start a fight with your you know, crazy Christian aunt or your, your um, doubting aunt or whatever. I don't know why I'm picking on ants. I have lovely ants. But none of this is, used, is to be used as a weapon against somebody. Maybe it could be used to kind of continue a conversation or ask some questions, but we need to be cool. We're not here to fight. All right, I think the facts can speak for themselves, and that's why we're following the evidence. And that's going to be really, being cool, it's going to be really important today. So, and the reason that's important is because as we conclude this series, I want to talk about probably the most offensive thing about Christianity. In fact, and here's one of our main points for tonight, Christianity's most offensive claim is also its most central claim. The thing that bothers people the most about Christianity is one of the, if not, if not the most important thing about Christianity. 
And it's this exclusive idea, this exclusive claim that Jesus is the only way to connect to the God of the universe. That there is a specific way to God. There is a gate people have to go through. There is a narrow road, and it's a person. See, from the beginning, Christianity has had this exclusive, offensive claim. Christianity has said Jesus is the only way to be right with and the only way to be with God. From the very beginning, Jesus' followers were saying it right here in Acts. Salvation is found in no one else. This is like right when they start preaching, right after Jesus said, hey, go tell everybody about me. This is what they say. Salvation, being right with God, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This has been the core of Christianity from the very, very beginning. You're like, okay, that's cool. I kind of get that. But let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. On the flip side, if Jesus is the only way, what does that mean? That means if you don't believe in Jesus, Christianity is saying you are wrong. You are wrong about this life, and you are wrong about the next life. That's offensive. Some of you might feel a little like, oh my gosh, he's saying that? I thought this was Cross Creek. I thought they were cool here. It's offensive. It is. It just is. And because it's offensive, Christians are viewed as narrow-minded, maybe even bigoted, because we think we have the right truth. It was so offensive when Jesus first said it, it's one of the reasons the religious leaders of his day tried to kill him. It was so offensive when his disciples, his first followers said it, that many of them were killed because they said it. It's offensive to many people in our culture today. In fact, even many Christians have a problem with this exclusive claim because we have friends who believe differently. We've seen other cultures with wonderful and beautiful people whose lives are based on different beliefs. How can they all be wrong? I mean, aren't they just trying to find God in their own way? Why, what's, what's wrong about that? And I agree, this can and probably is offensive, especially when we use it as a weapon, which is why we have that rule of be cool. Right? You know the signs, turn or burn, God's way, or hell, that is not being cool, okay? It, it can be super offensive when it's, when it's used as a weapon, but here's the thing. We said we would follow the evidence, right? We would follow where the evidence leads, not where we hope it leads. And when we follow the evidence, we have to look at every claim, especially this core, exclusive claim of Christianity, so as we talk about this, can it be offensive? Yes. Will I offend you in some way? Probably. That's just my nature. But we need to remember this. Just because something offends us doesn't mean it's not true. Just because something offends us doesn't mean we can just write it off as false. I've learned this over and over and over in my marriage. See, my wife will say, hey, that, those pants don't go with that shirt. That offends me. Doesn't mean she's wrong. And I usually go change. 
There's, there's, I, I've actually learned to be okay with being offended by my wife. Why? Because she says it because she loves me. She's never just like, oh, well, you're wrong because, well, I'm just better than you. Never. It's always because I love you. I want you to improve. I want you to know the truth about your style. It's not good. <laughs> so let me offend you. Let me risk offending you so you can know the truth. So you can write me off tonight. You can write Christianity off because this claim offends you. But is that really following the evidence? So what I want to do, I want to I dig a little bit. I want to do our best to look at the evidence and look at this issue of exclusivity logically. I think to do that, we've got to go to the beginning. We've got to say, why is this claim offensive? Why is the exclusivity of Christianity offensive? I think it's this, Western culture, particularly Western culture, and I think through good reasons, and we'll talk about that in a minute, has embraced a philosophy of inclusivism or pluralism. It's this idea, the idea that no one can claim to be the only one who knows the truth. All religions have some measure of the truth. They're just different paths to God. Probably a familiar idea or this idea of plurality where, you know, everybody has, there's, there's good in every religion and they kind of are all just trying to reach God in their own way. Different cultures have done different things, right? That's the idea of pluralism. Uh, so while atheism basically says, you know, all religions are wrong, plural, pluralism says, well, all religions are basically right. It's a very popular idea in our culture. In fact, uh, some of the major thinkers, major people in our culture have said things like this. I am absolutely against, very um, accepting, inclusive, I'm absolutely against any religion that says one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. I mean, you, you can be offended, but just because you're offended doesn't mean it's not true. But I mean, let's, we'll move on. Mahatma Gandhi. My position is that all great religions are fundamentally equal. Very popular idea. Here's another great thinker of our time. Oprah Winfrey. One of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to God. Well, Oprah, is that the one way to think about? Really? We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, I have one more quote, and it is from probably the greatest thinker of our time. The depth of this, I'm, I might have to read it a few times, so don't feel like, oh my gosh, I don't get it, because you, you know, I, I say it once. But have you, maybe you've heard of this great thinker, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> he was featured in a movie called Talladega Nights, and I think he exemplifies this, this new cultural way of thinking. He, in, in this movie, based on his life, might have been true, I don't know, I wasn't there. He's, he's, a, he's a race car driver, and he has a wreck, and he thinks he's on fire. He's not actually on fire, but he thinks there's an invisible fire burning him. So as he thinks he's burning, this is what he says. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish God. Help me, Allah. Help me, Tom Cruise. Use your witchcraft on me to get the fire off me. Help me, Oprah Winfrey. He's hedging his bets. One of these has to be right in some way, right? Why not just use all of them? Because something, somebody's got to be listening. That is a more fun way of looking at pluralism, where nobody's wrong. Right? The basic premise is all religions are at least partially true and have value. 
And it's narrow-minded and judgmental to believe anything else. Now, I, I, maybe you feel like I'm beating up on this idea. I, I believe inclusive pluralism generally comes from good intentions. It really does. Like, I get it. In our culture, in our, in our country, in our state, in our city, there are many different religions. We have neighbors who believe different things than us, and there's different groups of people, and we want to live in peace with others. That's great. We don't want to offend people, right? If you want to offend somebody, that's an issue. If you're like, yeah, I love offending people, that's, you're not cool. But we don't want to be offensive, especially to our friends. And here's the thing, Christians should be able to live at peace, should be able to work alongside people of other beliefs. In fact, uh, when I was a teacher down in California, I taught uh, middle school social studies, and the guy whose classroom next to me, we called him Mr. Malik, and he, he was a Muslim from Pakistan, and we were good friends. He would bring me lunch, and he'd say, well, this, this is a Christian and a Muslim having lunch together. We're solving world problems. And so we'd have lunch together. In fact, he was one of the first people that said, you need to quit teaching and accept that pastor job that got offered to you. And we actually prayed about it together. See, Christians can coexist with people of other religions. That's good. Christians should condemn hatred of other religions. Christians should be condemning what happened in New Zealand this weekend. It's evil. It's wrong. Just because somebody believes differently than you doesn't mean they are bad and doesn't mean they should suffer in any way. But the problem is we confuse cultural pluralism, right? The acceptance and the celebration of different cultures, different peoples, different races, different religions. We confuse that with metaphysical pluralism or religious pluralism, right? Accepting as true all the ideas, convictions, and worldviews of those peoples and religions. You see the difference? We can accept their culture, accept their beliefs, or not, not accept their beliefs, but be accepting that they believe differently without saying, oh, and you're right. See, we can and should coexist and even defend other people's right to believe what they believe, but we can still disagree with those beliefs. It's okay. Cultural pluralism is good. It's necessary for a society like ours. Metaphysical religious pluralism is completely illogical. And here's why. All beliefs cannot be true without fundamentally changing what they are. Every religion can't be true at the same time unless they actually change what their religion is about. Therefore, not being the religion they say they are. I mean, let's look at some, some major world religions, and we'll just kind of talk about them in general. I'm not picking on anybody. I just want to kind of show some facts, show some evidence, all right? So let's look at Islam, one of the major religions in the world. Islam says Judaism and Christianity are wrong about God. In fact, they've kind of messed up the scriptures, and so Muhammad came and gave the Quran and kind of fixed the problem. They've, Christianity and Judaism messed up true religion. It teaches there is one God, no type of trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that Christians believe. The God is Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Heaven is a paradise of sensual pleasure for some, and hell for those who oppose Allah and reject the teachings of Muhammad. They teach there's only one way 
to heaven, to get to heaven, and it's to submit to Allah, convert to Islam, believe the six main doctrines, and practice the five duties or the five pillars of Islam. That's Islam. Very specific, very exclusive. That's how about Buddhism, right? When we think of Buddhism, we think, okay, that's, that's all-embracing, right? Everybody who wants to kind of just be peace in the world, they, they follow Buddhism. Well, you know how Buddhism started? It began when Siddhartha Gautama rebelled against many of the teachings of Hinduism, saying that they were wrong, and started his own way of seeing the world. Buddhism started as a rebellion against the Hindu caste system, saying it was wrong. It was a wrong way to believe. And then Sikhism came out of that, came out of Hinduism and Buddhism and saying both those are wrong. Of course, atheism, right? Everyone's wrong. And then you have agnosticism, where you say, you know, everyone, this is, everyone's kind of wrong, but really, who, you can never know for sure. Everyone's kind of wrong in some way, saying they're the right one, but you know, how, can you, how can you ever really know? You can never know, but to say that you know for sure, that's wrong. See, here's the thing, every belief system, and we all have a belief system, every belief system is exclusive in some way. That's why you believe it instead of other things. Every belief system is exclusive in some way. In, in fact, to even say all religions are partly true, well, that's just so nice. That's exclusivist, because you're saying every exclusive religion is wrong. Say, oh, no, they're all partly true. Well, all those religions that say, no, we are the right one, you're now saying that they are wrong. Every belief system is exclusivist. And on top of that, you're saying that you, by saying, well, they're all most, they all have some part of truth, but none of them have all the truth. Do you know what you're saying when you say that? That you have the right way of thinking about every religion. Basically, that they're all right in some way. It's very exclusivist. So saying they are all true is exclusive and it's illogical. Think about it. If my kids, I say, get your pants on. We're, we're going to the store. I have my pants on. They don't have their pants on. Their little bums are hanging out. One of us is right. One of us is wrong. We can't agree to both be right that they do and don't have their pants on. It would do them no good to be like, oh, well, that's your truth. I have my truth. Please don't let me impose my truth on you because that would be exclusivist. Let's go to the store. Nobody would appreciate that. I mean, they have cute little bums, but no. And we can't say, you know, well, who knows who's right here? We'll never figure it out. It's just a mystery of the ages. See? It's refusing to look at the evidence and refusing to go deeper to really discover the truth. We can't just say, oh, everybody's right, because they can't be. So here's the thing. To move forward, we have to admit this. It can be offensive, but we have to admit this. There are some beliefs that are just better than others. There are some beliefs that are just better than others. Let that offend you for a bit. I didn't want to write it. I didn't want to say it. But there are some beliefs that are just... So what's, what's better? 
2 plus 2 equals 4 all the time. Or 2 plus 2 equals 4 when I feel like it. The astronauts in space will say, please always agree that 2 plus 2 equals 4 because I want to come home and I need math to work. Right? It wouldn't work if we said, well, you know, whatever answer you want, or however you get there, you're getting to some answer and it feels good for you. 2 plus 2 equaling 4 every single time is a better belief. I know that's kind of silly. What's a better belief? The earth is flat or the earth is round? Earth is flat, guys. It's, I mean, round. <laughs> that's better. Why? Because we want to travel to other countries and other cultures and make it and not fall off and get eaten by the turtle that's on the other side. It's a better belief. Why is it a better belief? Because there's evidence and there's proof. I don't care what they say on the internet. There is proof. The world is round. What's a better belief system? White supremacy? Or that we're all created equally in the image of God? There are some beliefs that are better than others. Okay, that's, that's cool, but religions, right? All religions are equally valid. They're all searching for a way to know God. I think that's commendable. Well, which ones are equally valid? The ancient Ammonite religion that worshipped a god named Moloch who demanded children be burned alive while drums were played to drown out their screams? Is that equally valid? What about the Jim Jones cult? Where they all agreed to just kill themselves with the Kool-Aid. Or the Heaven's Gate cult. Is that equally valid with other beliefs? How do we decide which beliefs are equally valid? Just the popular ones that you know, has more people believing it, that makes them more valid for some reason? Oh, no, the ones that don't offend us because of our own specific culture? Well, they don't go, you know, they don't rub me wrong because I was reading. That's ethnocentricity. Thinking that your culture, the way you think, is the right way and the way everybody should think. See, you can't look at the most important thoughts about our existence and simply say, ah, they're all equal. You can't they're not the same. Some ideas, some beliefs are better than others. So what do we do? I think the better way forward is to weigh the facts, weigh the ideas against each other, and follow the evidence. Follow the evidence in order to find the belief system that is consistently true, the belief system that produces measurable improvement in the lives of its followers and actually improves society as a whole. And that's what we've attempted to do in this series. That's why we spent six weeks talking about the evidence, weighing it, looking at it, reasonably and logically weighing the evidence, looking at reasons many people have for not following Jesus, and then we evaluated them. And I think here's where we've landed. We found true Christianity... Not the, not the stuff that people who don't even know what Jesus is about say they believe, but true Christianity is the belief system that is consistently true, produces measurable improvement in the lives of its followers, and improves society as a whole. 
So in this series, if you've been with us for most of it or some of it, was there one main argument that maybe sealed the deal? Like, oh, yep, that argument, that 100% Christian, I'm there. You know, I will never question again. Probably not. Probably not. But when you add up all the evidence, take it all together, look at the big picture, I think it's hard to deny that there is something astoundingly different and completely logical about Christianity. So I think we, you, maybe get a little bit more personal. I think you have enough evidence to decide where you stand. Because here's the thing, based on its core beliefs, based on what its founder himself said, either Christianity is the dumbest idea in the history of the world, or it's the most important. Based on the very core beliefs, based on what Jesus Christ himself said, either Christianity is the dumbest thing anybody has ever thought of, or it is the most important, life-changing, world-shattering idea in the history of the world. It can't just be a nice idea on the route to whatever version of God you want to believe in. See, Jesus himself did not leave us with that option of, it's, oh, it's just nice, you know, it's one of the paths. What did Jesus say? Jesus answered, I am one of the way, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, that's so exclusive. Yeah, there is one way. It can't just be a nice idea. So is Jesus the only way? Well, logic would tell us either he is the one way, the only way, and all other beliefs are not, or this is a pathetic belief and Jesus is leading us astray. And I am deceiving you and wasting all of your time and some of your money. I should not, if, if Christianity is not true, I am one of the worst people in the world. Convincing you, oh, come, listen to my words. You should give some of your money to this thing. I believe it is true. Why do I believe this is true? Why do I believe this exclusive claim that Jesus is the only way to eternal life, the only way to God is true? Probably because of his other exclusive claim that we're going to talk about in a few weeks. His claim that he is actually God. And the fact that he rose from the dead just like he said he would he predicted his death, he predicted his resurrection, and then he pulled it off exactly the way he said he would. I think that puts him on an entirely different level than any other religious leader or founder. There might have been other religious crazy leaders that said, oh, I'm God, I'm divine, I'm part of the divine. Did any of them say, hey, I'm going to die, and then three days later I'm going to rise from the dead, and then pulled it off? No. Is there historical proof they did that? No, but there is for Jesus. I believe him because of the evidence, including the historical record of his resurrection. And if that's true, then I can trust everything else he claimed. And I trust him with my very, very life, my life now and my life forever. 
Because here's the thing. Jesus' claim is exclusive. It is. But his offer is the most inclusive ever made. His claim is exclusive. I am the only way, but his, his offer is this. For God so loved the good people. So God so loved your own race. For God so loved, you know, those who have found the right. No, for God so loved the world. That includes you. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's inclusive because it is made, it's an offer made to everyone and anyone. No matter who you are, where you were born, what you've done, he offers to give you the new transforming life only he can give. See, the whole point is that God loves you. He's not against you. He's for you. If somebody will die for you, like we love to say around, if somebody will die for you, they're for you. He is for you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be with him forever. And he offers that as a free gift. Nothing you can earn, nothing you, can, nothing you deserve, because we've all rebelled against him. What we call the law of love, Jesus said, you know, what's the two top laws? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We've all broken that in some way. We've all hurt others, sometimes on accident, often on purpose. We have hurt God's kids. Somebody hurts my kid, things aren't really well between us and our relationship, right? It's the same with God. We, the Bible calls that sin. We've all sinned. And we can't do anything to take it away because you can't change your past, right? Whatever you've done in your past, you did. It doesn't change. It's there. It's on your permanent record. It's stuck. You can't change your past. We've all sinned. Can't do anything to change it. We can't save ourselves. God loves us. Like I said, he wants us to be with him, but he has to be a just king. He has to be a good parent that protects his kids, so he must punish that evil. Loves us, wants us to be with him, but he must punish evil. Who's evil? All of us. So if he wants to destroy evil, like we talked about a few weeks ago, who's he got to destroy? The people he loves. So there's an issue. How did he fix that? Jesus. That's why it's Jesus. Only Jesus. See, Jesus was 100% God, 100% human. That's why he's the only one who could do it. And he came and he lived the perfect life that we can't live. And then he chose, he allowed himself to die on the cross, to take that punishment for our evil, to destroy evil without destroying us. And then he rose again, proving that he was God, proving that that payment was accepted. And then he said, I did this for you, now you have to do all these things for me. He didn't. He said, I died for you. You know how you can accept that forgiveness, that freedom, that peace, that perfect relationship with me forever and today? Trusting me. You're saying, I can't do it. I trust that you did it. 
not by lighting a candle or saying a, some kind of chant or giving a bunch of money. You're saying, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust the evidence. I choose to trust Jesus exclusively. Not to trust what I can do to make God like me more and Jesus. Not to trust, you know, Christianity and its good teachings and all these other teachings. But Jesus Christ alone, because he's the only one who was God. He's the only one who died for you and rose again. So I urge you, I don't know how else to say it, but I urge you to follow where the evidence leads. Because I've seen that it's truth. I've seen that it works. In fact, Jesus said this, John 8, 32. He said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, this truth, this exclusive claim of Jesus, following the evidence, it sets people free. It sets them free from shame, from brokenness, from despair. It's a truth that sets people free from prejudice, from anger, it can set you free from hatred. It frees people to be truly who they were made to be. It's transformed me. It's transformed my family. Is it time for you to make a decision? I don't know. Only you know that. Only you can make that call. But where does the evidence lead? I mean, you, you can just ignore it. That's fine. You know, you, you ignore it. Just say, oh, you know, you can never know. While looking away from all the evidence, like there's this mass of evidence. You're like, oh, you can never know. Why we followed the evidence? Well, you can never know. Right? Like, what's the capital of Oregon? Oh, you, no, you can never know. You can, well, look at this map. Nah, you can, look at, look, go look it up on Wikipedia. No, you can never know. You know, let's just agree that you can, you know, there's never a real answer. There's evidence. Are we following the evidence? Will you, will you explain all that evidence away as a coincidence? That's hard to do. Or will you allow yourself, and it is allowing yourself, breaking down that wall, allowing yourself to use logic and reason to take that step of trusting that Jesus is the way to forgiveness. Jesus is the way to restoration with your heavenly Father. Now, if, if you are a Jesus follower, you've taken that step, you've followed the evidence, you said, I have chosen to trust Jesus. I think we need to talk about something really quick because it's easy to let that pluralism, that inclusivism that we've talked about, it's easy to let that seep into our relationship with Jesus. I mean, it can look like adding extra rules, extra rituals to our relationship, you know, to feel closer to God. It can even look like adding elements of different beliefs, you know, in, as, as a way to be more spiritual or to feel closer to God, or to have a better life. But Jesus taught, and I think proved, that really there is only one way to experience that. See, the truth is not Jesus or something else. That's not the truth. It's not Jesus and something else. It's not Jesus and everything I did to make myself you know, look good to God. It's not Jesus and, you know, some of this extra meditation and all these types of things that I do just to feel more spiritual, open myself up to the, no. 
It's not Jesus and, it's not Jesus or. The truth, it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. There is nothing else. There is no other name by which mankind, humankind, can be saved. We need to stop adding to what Jesus said, already said, was the truth. It's a time to simply just trust and follow him. Now, maybe you need more time, and that's okay. You're like, phew, good. We're not going to make you sign a card on the way out. Maybe you need, need more time. So I want to rem- remind you, I know you don't remember because I'm the one who's been seeped in this, but our very first uh, talk on this, talking about the problem of God, we said this, skepticism and doubt are good. They are good because it means you're engaging your brain, you're asking questions, you're looking for truth. But those questions have to lead somewhere at some point. See, asking questions for questions' sake really is just simply a way to avoid dealing with the answers that you've already found. Yeah, but what about? Yeah, but what about? Yeah, but what about? Those are okay to explore, but at some point, you're just avoiding the answers. Have the courage. Have the courage to ask the hard questions, which is good, and then make a real decision. See, we all have a belief system. We all do. What evidence supports your belief? See, when you follow the evidence, when you truly follow the evidence, you find the truth that brings freedom. When you follow the evidence, you find the truth that brings freedom. And so as we close, I want to do something we don't do very often here. But I'm going to invite the band up because we're going to sing one more song. But as they come up, and this is in a way just to sneak them on stage, but as they come up, do me a favor and just close our eyes and bow our heads because I want to give you a moment to evaluate maybe what you heard today, evaluate maybe what you've heard the last few weeks. But just close your eyes Evaluate. If you're a Jesus follower, and I talked about, you know, maybe it's time for it to be just Jesus. Not Jesus and what I can do for him, not Jesus and some, you know, mixture of other beliefs, but just trusting in Jesus Christ alone for his forgiveness and eternal life. You said, that's that's me, I need to, you know, I, I, I'm a Jesus follower, I, I accepted Jesus as my, as my Lord and my King, but I've just been feeling like I need to do extra for him or I need to do more. If that's you, I want to pray for you. So I'm just simply going to ask you to raise your hand. We're not going to have somebody come and tap you on the shoulder. Just so I know that there's somebody I can pray for right now. I can even kind of lead you in a quiet prayer. So if that's you, you're like, you know, I've added stuff to Jesus, I just want Jesus that's you, just raise your hand. Awesome. Great. Now maybe you're here, and I'm going to take this bold step. 
maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, I have followed the evidence and somebody invited me here or I'm coming to make somebody happy or I just wanted to see what, what Christianity was about. And this makes sense. I get it. I want that. I want that freedom. I want that peace. I have never asked Jesus to forgive me. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life and make me a new person like he promises he will. But I want that. If that's you, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. You can just simply raise your hand and I'll know that I can pray for you. Is there anybody who says, I've never accepted that truth, that forgiveness, and I want to today? You simply raise your hand. All right. And maybe you're watching online. I'm going to pray for you too. You just have to email us so we know that we're praying for you. But if you raise your hand, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've made it so simple. Yes, it's exclusive, but it needs to be. You've made it so simple. There's nothing, no hoops we have to jump through. It's just you. So Father, I pray that you, you give us the courage to follow the evidence. You, you show us that we can rely on you. We can trust you. Take away all the extra fluff, all the extra stuff, all the extra religious things that we feel like we need to do. Take away the guilt and show us that it's not about what we have done or what we do. It's about what you did and what you are doing to make us new. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand and sing one more, or re-sing this song.